If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everybody. This is the job doctor. The doctor is in. There's so much talk on social media about, I'm just going to leave the company and I'm going to do my own thing. Everybody wants to do their own thing. Then my problems will be over. Well, today we get to visit with Richie, who tried that. And he left the corporate evildoers and started his own thing. And it's harder than it looks sometimes. So we're going to talk through that and see if we can give everybody else some help along the way. So, Richie, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for letting me be here. Richie, tell me, in a nutshell, what prompted you to leave corporate? Well, uh, and hopefully people relate to this, but if you've ever had in a corporate setting that meeting where they're like, we're, we've got a new direction and we need everybody to be on board, and you kind of have that big rally thing, and usually they buy lunch as part of oh, it as yes. well. That's how they sort of grease the wheel, right? And uh, and I remember sitting in that meeting and 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 thinking to myself, "Boy, this sounds terrible. This direction that this <laughs> that this is going to go sounds awful. I don't want anything to do with it." But I didn't want to be, you know, irrational or emotional as far as all that went. And so I uh, gave myself the night. You know, I sat through the meeting, heard everything that they had to say, and and made sure that I, you know, understood. I asked several questions to make sure I understood what was going on. Slept on it, woke up the next morning and said, nope. One I'm, day. I, you I'm, gave it one day. I am not doing this. It, w- it was enough. There had been enough uh, up to that point that hadn't been satisfying that this particular thing, this direction change was enough for me to go, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do this All anymore. Right. This is the straw that broke the camel's back then. Yeah. And, and fortunately, uh, I, as so many people in the gig economy have done, like I had a side hustle that I was able to move into and, you know, be able to give more time, more attention to, and essentially made up the gap and then some financially speaking. But it was, it's been an interesting thing in the last couple of years, because I guess technically I'm part of the great resignation. You are. Uh, but looking at it and, and, uh, in, as you queued up at the beginning, you sort of think, oh, you know, if I work for myself, that's the solution. Those are the yeah, things I'll that I Yeah, I'll be a great do. boss, yeah. right? <laughs> and, <laughs> to and, myself. <laughs> yeah. And I and I've learned really quick the things that I'm really good at and I've learned really quickly, even maybe quicker, the things that I don't want to do and then also, you know, some stresses of having to go to a building or to work on a team or a, you know, a broader goal have traded some of those things for making sure that I, you know, cover myself with insurance and health insurance. And if I don't, you know, make that sale, this month's mortgage payment is going to be a different thing or, you mm-hmm. know, all, all of those different things. So it's, it's trading one set of problems for another. And my particular side hustle, I could do it until the age uh, of, of retirement. Um, but it's sort of a young man's game. Right. Um, yeah, Does that do- worry you at all that you're doing something that is a young man's game? Well, well, it doesn't worry me necessarily, but this is sort of the genesis of where my question comes from. At some point, I feel like I'm either going to have to start an entirely different business, something that I can do that would take me to retirement age, 
or I'm going to have to go back to work for someone else. And the idea of going back to work for someone else sounds terrible. Yeah. When, I, you, when you've actually worked for yourself with all the stuff that comes with it, because mm-hmm. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was during the big resignation as well. I'm like, I'm going to do the job doctor. Mm-hmm. It, it carries with it wonderfulness and just horrible days too, right? Yeah. And so, and so I, you know, I don't know that I'm going to go back and work for someone else, but when I have even thought about it, I'm like, how, how do people who have worked for themselves or who have been out of the job market, even like, like what questions do they need to ask? Because you're quickly then working for someone else Mm -hmm. as opposed to working for yourself. And, and how do you find, you know, I've, I've heard it referenced as culture fit and, you know, it's just as much me interviewing the company that I'm going to go work for. Mm -hmm. In fact, maybe even more so than them interviewing me because I could continue to do this thing until I don't want to do it anymore. Well, okay. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here, (laughs) but, but before we talk about how you go back (laughs) Mm -hmm. in a way that's at least palatable, I want you to address for people who are thinking about making this big move, what advice would you give people who are thinking about going off on their own and doing this? What do you wish you had known? Oof. Well, I, I think if I'm being completely transparent, I think that I wish I would have known that I could have done it sooner. I think I was low grade miserable mm-hmm. for a long mm-hmm. time. And as I look back on it, I, you know, I let some workplace boundaries sort of go and, I don't know that I gave uh, my very best for the last little bit of time while I was at that company. I think I could have been a better representation of myself, but I, you know, I was just kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started on your own, did you feel alive again or was it terrifying? Oh, terrifying, <laughs> but, but different sort of terrifying. And maybe if invigorating, terrifying is a thing. Um, the challenge of, okay, you know, I've always heard the phrase, you got to kill something and drag it home to the cave. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I sort of liked that. Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, when you work for someone else, if those days that you don't necessarily feel like it, you can still kind of show up and be present and collect a paycheck and come back. But working for myself, it's like, no, it's a, it's supercharging the way that it's like, I have to do this. So even though I don't feel like it, even though maybe I don't want mm-hmm. to, I got to find a place to go in my mind or in my body to be able to do it and then go for it. So uh, in that way, it was, you know, it's a lot of responsibility and terrifying. And then I think the other thing is like, it's been so much easier than I thought. You know, I, I three X'd what I made last year over what I had made the year before working for someone else. That's it. That's exactly why it's going to be, the way people work in the future. I mean, I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. People, if they can find a way to have ultimate ownership, right? I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. I know I can make a difference because I am. I have to, to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think people are afraid of hard work. I think they're afraid of hard work and not getting the benefits of the hard work, mm-hmm. right? The rewards. And mm-hmm. when you work for yourself, you work hard, you get the rewards that come with it. Yeah. And I, and I think the other thing is, is I, I'm of the personality that I just, I don't have patience for crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. like in the, in the, I worked for a particularly large institution with a lot of like bureaucracy and we do the things the way we do them because we've always done them. 
well, maybe we should do them a different way. Now, 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 don't rock yeah, don't the boat. Rock, don't be thinking crazy <laughs> thoughts yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, and to illustrate this, so uh, one particular, just because, you know, maybe people are listening to this and thinking, oh, he's just yeah, a difficult person that works for a company. So I had a particular job that we had to be in the office, which is, you know, that's a discussion for a different time. But um, it was a like job duties based job, meaning- yes. Like I would get done and then I would be done. And then there isn't other stuff that they would give me. I would be done. But they also had this mandate that I had to be in the office for a certain amount of hours a week. And the conversation, a literal conversation that took place, you know, I worked early mornings. I'd have to be in the office until noon. But like I would get stuff done at nine o'clock some days or 1030 some days. And I, and I would leave because I'm like, I am done. I don't need to be here. I've been here since really early earlier than most people in the building. I think that's why there was some misunderstanding, some people that felt like it was unfair. But I had the conversation where I said, okay, you you would like me to stay. Are there other duties which you would like me to perform until noon that will fill the time? And the conversation went like this. No, we just need you to be at your desk until noon. And so then the question from me became, so it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It can be for this job or not for this job. But you are telling me that I just need to be in desk until specific time. And they're like, yeah, you got it. Almost like, oh, he finally has broken through on this. And I'm just like, I, uh, the people that's listening, so asinine, I can't even handle it. If The people listening, if they could do the little like emojis right now and we could <laughs> see them, there would be like millions of them Yeah, because I hear this a lot. Yeah. So, so the, the leap has been good for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to stay there, except there may come a time that you've got to do something. Yeah that doesn't feel horrible yeah, and you may need to go back. Well, let's talk about what the options are. So if gig work is working now, mm-hmm. why don't you think it's going to continue to be able to work the same way as you get older? Well, I guess it's just sort of exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know? the downside, right? Yeah, That's yeah. the downside. It, re- it really is, you know, um, and due to the nature. So like I work in the event space and so it's not like a lot, you know, if I were a, um, like a hairstylist. I don't know why that came to mind in particular, but like I could build up clientele and then I know, yes. oh, Tessa comes and gets her haircut every mm-hmm. six weeks and I can rely on that mm-hmm. and I can build more things like that. Do the nature of the event space that I work in, it's usually one and done. So it's like, yes, thank you for helping us with our wedding. I hope you Goodbye. don't get divorced again or, you know, yeah. I hope you don't get divorced, but later. then maybe we could work together. Goodbye. And then it's, you know, farming, cultivating, curating and mm-hmm. finding another thing like that. And and quite frankly, you know, it just kind of becomes exhausting. Okay. I hear I hear two questions in the conversation. The first one is, let me talk about the in-between space because there's gig work and there's working for corporate America. Mm-hmm. Fractional is where I would go with you. I don't know what that means. Frac- I know. That's exactly what I'm <laughs> going to tell you. Fractional is the in-between space. So for HR, it's a small company may not be able to afford me and my wages mm. full time, but they can afford a fractional to take mm-hmm. care of heavy duty, right? So I can take care of maybe high level stuff and and direct a team. So I could maybe do fractional HR for four or five companies. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I'm an employee, mm-hmm. but I'm an employee that's 20% time. Mm-hmm. So fraction this idea of fractional work is really growing in popularity because companies are going it's the same problem. They're saying I can't keep Tessa busy full-time, but I could keep her busy 20% of the time. Mm. I can't keep Richie busy full-time, but maybe part-time. So 
for your space, because you're in kind of a, a weird space where you do a lot with, um, you know, events, mm-hmm. you might want to think about events management for a company mm-hmm. or a subset of that and trying to sell yourself to be the person that does that for five companies. Mm-hmm. That would be one way to do it because then if you do end up with a loser employer, you kick that one to the curb. You got four, pick up one more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you can you can kind of reshape it all the time until you get the companies that you really, really love working with and that you want to keep developing that relationship with. So that would be kind of an in-between space that I think would be really interesting for you to play in. Hmm. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Fractional is a thing. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Because uh, in, in that way, it's, I imagine that there's the flexibility enough to be like, listen, you don't get demands on all my time. Mm-hmm. I'll be here for the things and take care of that which you have uh, employed me for, but I can kind of meander. And that's one of the other things uh, for me when I think about like being in a job at a place, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that sounds so boring. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I like the, to do different things mm-hmm. for different people too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea of leaning into a fractional, I like that. I like that. And fractional also, when you're selling fractional, which I've done before for HR services, you can say, here's package A, package B, package C. Package A, I'm going to help you with your recruiting. I'll do your, you know, compliance and then whatever. And package B, I'm going to take care of your legal issues, you know, and you can go up. And the nice thing about it is you can pick what you like to do best, mm-hmm. right? You build the package. Yeah. See where the gaps are in companies. And you know, because you've worked on the other side of the problem mm-hmm. and you can say, ah, here's where they fall short. That could be package A. And package B, here's another thing I'd like to do that I could sell that they could need, but maybe they haven't thought about it. Here's B mm-hmm. and C. So in that regard, you still get to control your destiny and the things you're working on. And you can be very prescriptive in a fractional arrangement because your job starts and stops where you say it stops and starts yeah. with the company. You sell that. You don't have to say, I'm just me and you can take me and then I have to do whatever you say company, which yeah. is what you're trying to avoid. Uh, about the culture fit though, because I feel like maybe that's a broader question that can help other people. How do you really know, or can you really know like what it's going to be like before you start? It's so hard. I'm, I mean, I can give people questions and I do all the time to say, ask this and you will get closer to the truth. And I guess the, the shorter answer is you will never know mm-hmm. until you try before you buy. Sure. Right. You just won't. But if you had to ask questions and get closer, you would ask the same behavioral questions that people have been asking you for years. So company, what's a hotspot for you is, do you have a clear vision on what you need me to do? Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. how, what do you expect after I get those things done? Mm -hmm. I would ask the company, tell me about, um, do you view work as more project oriented or Mm -hmm. do you view work as, um, once we get really good at something, then we get more efficient. We add more duties in, mm-hmm. you know, what's your, what's your philosophy on that? Mm-hmm. So that you can start to understand if you have a match, I will tell you a lot of people out there, a lot of managers will say, no, if you get the job done, I don't care. Mm. But there are many, many other companies who say, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm buying your time, my friend. Yeah. And once you're done, this is what I expect. So you need to start asking the behavioral questions back. Tell me about when you've done that. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some successes that you've had. Um, I would also want to know, why do people leave? You know, they may not be honest, but why why do people leave and what are the warts of the company? And what does the company do well? And often when you pair both together, you'll get all the good stuff mm-hmm. and they'll throw you a bone on, on the bad stuff. But whatever they say, then say, tell me about when that happened. Mm. 
and ask them because sometimes they'll throw out something that's kind of a, a throwaway. Uh, online websites, like I think it's Glassdoor, where you can read from mm-hmm. previous employees. Are those prone to be always the like the bad apples or like? No, I find those to be very accurate. Mm. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, but you learn all kinds of great stuff on Glassdoor. Now, so, it doesn't mean it's always going to be true, but it's a great place to check to see. I think still the best though, and I've had a lot of people try this approach and it's worked well. They've said, you know, before I come on mm-hmm. to do this thing, if it's for you, it's fractional for somebody else listening, it's, you know, come on to work for you. Why don't we try each other out and see if we're what each other thinks we should be, you know, let's see how we work together and they'll do a temporary arrangement. And often what happens when you do that is the person that does the temporary work, you know, puts on their best, you know, and they do great. Mm-hmm. And they often get to come in as an employee at a higher rate of pay than they would have otherwise because the company goes, oh, I really like you. Mm-hmm. And the other advantage is you see some of the shortcomings. You know, I had somebody do this that was in the automotive industry. Okay. And they wanted to just check it out. And they said, I'll tell you what, let me come work for you. I'm not ready to leave my other job quite yet, but let me try you out. Let's Mm -hmm. both do a try before you buy. Yeah, let's do that. Let's pick a couple of dates that we can plug me in. He came back and said, are you kidding? There's no way I'm going to work for that company. This guy's a disaster. Like Mm. he is a bully. That's Mm. why he can't keep people. Mm. He did it again at another company. And the company said, you're amazing. You're a perfect fit. Upped his pay. And he ended up going to that company and he was there for several years. Mm. So on on things like that, do you recommend saying like, hey, let's you know, I want to try this out for like 90 days and make it that formal? Or is it like, hey, yeah, we'll see how this goes? Well, it depends too. If if they're trying to hire a full-time person, this is not going to work for you. But if they are trying to hire a fractional or a contractor or they're open to project pay, Uh Uh all of those scenarios, then I think it's more successful. And, And typically it depends. How long do you need to try each other out? If it's me, I want to do a project start to finish. Sure. Give me a project. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can knock it out of the park for you mm-hmm. and let's see how we work together. I think projects so that you can actually measure an end result is better in most cases. In the automotive case, it worked better to have him just go on the track for a few days and see how he worked a few races. You know, I was reading a book, uh, it's called The Comfort Crisis. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you've heard about no. it. It's this idea that uh, we uh, are too comfortable and that we refuse as people to make ourselves uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it spurs this question. Sometimes like you can get into something and it's, it's, you don't like it because you're not good at it. Like you were the previous thing, but you'd had a certain amount of years or whatever to be able to do it. How long do you think you give yourself in, in that space to either grow into it or maybe it really isn't the thing? Is there a magic Uh, window of time that you're like, you know, give yourself six months, give it a year, give it three months. Well, uh, the best job I ever had was the worst job I ever had. Honestly, uh-huh. I went I went in and day one, I realized I'd been sold a false bill of goods. Mm. They said, you know, come here. It'll be a quick buck. It's going to be easy work. You'll be a millionaire in two years. And I realized the day I walked in, like, they don't have staff. They don't know how many people work for them. Oh. This is, I spent every day crying in the bathroom. But I talk a lot about staying through a red zone, which is the difficult part of a company because... Most people, not most, often people are chasing the green zone today. Mm. They just want the green zone, the company that has it all together. But when you work through a red zone, it makes you more promotable Mm -hmm. for starters because the red zone creates the conditions for a green zone. It's when you have to redesign. I mean, think about 
it's when a system breaks, right? That you go, oh crap, we got to fix it. We're in the red zone and you hate it and it's miserable and you hate being there. But think about Southwest. What happened with them? System broke. They about went out of business. They're working through the problem. The people that stayed there through that are incredibly more marketable than those that did not. Yeah. So I like to stay in a company past the honeymoon, which is about a year and a half. Mm. Mm. Right? That's a long time. Sounds like a long time when you're uncomfortable. (laughs) But I like to stay past that because that's when you start to reap the rewards and you start to get the title jump. And the title jump alone is worth, on average, 10 grand to you, Mm. you know, and more if you're higher up to work through and show that on your resume. The other thing is we will always go to the discomfort we know versus the discomfort we don't know. This is why you go work for yourself and you're like, that's an uncomfortable thing, but I know me. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But we assign value to discomfort and we think if I'm uncomfortable and it's an uncomfortableness I don't know, it must mean I'm in the wrong job Mm. or the wrong company. And it is just not true. It is often simply a sign that you're learning and growing and very important to your marketability and your promotability in the long run. Hmm. So I ask people to think about that because we tend, because we're short-term, we're we're short-term thinkers anyway nowadays. We can barely hold our attention span for 30 seconds, right? So a year and a half sounds impossible, but there are great rewards that are there for those people who understand that discomfort doesn't necessarily mean you're in the wrong place. Well, definitely a lot to think about. Luckily, today is not the day that I need to to pivot, but some things that I can you know, start to put into place or at least adventure with that idea of fractional. I like that. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to another nomad who has made the same jump that I did. Mine was over a longer period of time and very deliberate, uh, not done after, you know, an announcement of a change. But nonetheless, we both found ourselves going, you know, I like, I like generally working for me. I like feeling like my future is in my control mm-hmm. versus somebody else's. I'm yep. glad you've been able to find success there. Congratulations. Thank you. To sum it up today, I think the big takeaways are there is something in between being your own worker and being beholden to a company. There's this in-between space that you can play in that a lot of people don't think about. And the other thing is to make sure that when you do make that leap, that it's deliberate and that you don't necessarily make it simply because you're uncomfortable or because you've assigned meaning to the discomfort in that it's the wrong job or the wrong place. Let yourself be uncomfortable sometimes knowing that red zone is a pretty good place for you to grow yourself. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.